you're over the age of 50 and you had an education before the education system became so subverted, you and I might think that freedom is a wonderful thing. Well, here's the thing, is that these uh, people who are acting like you're ridiculous, uh, it's, it's just an injection, just roll up your sleeve, stop being so selfish, who cares about your freedom? Uh, these people don't realize that we achieve our objectives collectively best by putting personal freedoms first. And that's what history proves to us. Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, Robin Openshaw here. Welcome back to the Vibe Show. Today I'm doing a new episode in the series of Robin's Review of All Things V. Okay, there's two big V words that we talk about a lot, right? Robin's Review of All Things Virus and Vaccine. And we have a couple of bombshells this week. You probably are fully aware that the NIH has admitted to doing gain-of-function research in the Wuhan laboratory, which means that Tony Fauci is a felon, which means that it is now completely proven by his own colleagues and underlings, by the entire institution of the NIH, that Tony Fauci lied multiple times to Congress. So I'm always seeing these Rand Paul uh, ads on Facebook, and I hear he's just had a banner uh fundraising year for his up I think he I think he has a re-election upcoming and I'm sure it's um really helped him to raise money the three times that he's gone up against Fauci but I will donate to the Rand Paul campaign when one of his uh one of the times that he grills Fauci ends in Fauci leaving in handcuffs. That's when he gets my money. We've had the NIH admit that there was gain of function paid for by the U.S. government that Tony Fauci was endorsing. Uh, I think we're up to David Martin has assessed $189 billion that have flowed through Anthony Fauci's hands uh, in recent decades uh, to fund extremely corrupt uh, scientific experiments We've had in the last week or two, it come out that Tony Fauci also funds horrible, torturous experiments on dogs. So the people who don't much care for humans, they're all coming out of the woodwork too, as they learn that uh, the United States three-letter agencies have been funding horrible uh, animal experiments that I don't even want, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, I don't want to talk about some of the things they do to animals over in these uh, Chinese labs. I personally do not think that it's China that is our enemy here. And China's not wagging the dog here. It's completely the other way around. It's just a way like the US government does, FBI and CIA have done for decades. There's always a foreign boogeyman. And I think right now the boogeyman is uh, the Chinese government. I think the Chinese government is struggling to uh, govern itself I think that they're involved for sure. I think they've been buying up a lot of America, but I do not think that the evidence points to China being the doer of the action here. So another thing that we've had happen in the last week is that the FDA has voted, the panel uh, 17 to zero has voted to um, 
vaccinate five to 11 year olds whose risk of death is some, somewhere in the vicinity of 0.0001%. So for what is statistically zero risk, we are now going to be uh, pushing the, uh, vac- vaccines on five to 11 year olds. I saw a poll that 27% of parents are going to run right out and get their kids vaccinated. That's how many are still buying into the narrative. But the thing I want to talk about today is just how, what our responsibility is. If, as, if you are awake and if you're awake to what's going on and you've had any courage in you whatsoever to stand up to this in any way, I think it's really powerful and really important to uh, not comply. You know that Gandhi quote about how it's an actual responsibility to uh, non-compliance is a responsibility when your government is clearly acting illegally and when your government is clearly corrupt. And so that that's how I feel about it. I feel like at this point, it is a moral and legal obligation that we have to not just not comply with illegal rules. And I'm talking about natural law and I'm talking about actual written law in the constitution. Um, we just see illegal behavior happening just at warp speed all around us every day. But I want to talk a little bit about now that I've been, a, I've been in Facebook jail for 30 days, just got out yesterday and you know, you don't think anything of it. We've now all been conditioned in less than two years. We used to think ourselves in the freest country in the world. And now it's just, we're all socialized and conditioned to recognize that we live in a heavily censored country where our social media and our media is constantly uh, monitored and censored. What I went to Facebook jail for this last time, it's my fifth time doing 30 days of Facebook jail, was just pointing out after I had predicted several weeks earlier that they're the reason, one of the reasons they're driving ivermectin off the market so that it's out of reach for you so that when you get sick, you certainly can't get it at a hospital you go to a hospital um, and you're going to have a difficult time finding someone to prescribe it and then a pharmacist to fill it in any kind of timely way if you get sick. Well, if you get sick and you have COVID, you're going to want that ivermectin in the first few days, right? Well, you're really not going to be able to. And so I have been begging my audience to, if you think of ivermectin is important for you, if you have risk factors, I personally don't think that you have to have a pharmaceutical drug to survive COVID. I personally think that your own God-given immune system will serve you just fine 99.8% of the time or better, even if you do have comorbidities. But if you're a believer in pharma or you're a person who wants to throw everything in the kitchen sink at it, uh, you know, I have no judgment about that. And I feel like if you want that ivermectin, if you want the peace of mind of having ivermectin in your possession. Please do go watch on my show, on any of my platforms, just a 17 minute video. We've had thousands of people download the, uh, the, the four pharmacies that I was recommending where I, tr- I trust the, the ivermectin that you'll get from them, even though one of them is Indian and you don't need a pharmacist to be able to order from there. And I still have people telling me that they're getting their ivermectin within two weeks. And I think that matters because I also have a friend um, from India who tells me both of his parents are medical doctors in India, that they're also the same pressures in India and that they are these same globalist forces are trying to force ivermectin off the market in India as well. So it's, it's not entirely as it may look that we just have the American media, um, gaslighting anybody who wants to use the horse dewormer 
and refusing to even name it in the media and making it very difficult for us to get and threatening our doctors if they want to prescribe it to us and telling the big corporate chains uh, of pharmacists that they can't prescribe it. So, you know, we we have a lot of that going on in the U.S., but don't think that this is just a U.S. thing. I am being told that around the world, ivermectin is being driven off. Well, here's the thing, or driven out of range for most of us so that we can't get it, or if we can, we cannot get it in a timely way. So I've been out there just every platform I can, going on radio shows, talking about, please just, if you want to have ivermectin, get it, put it in the back of your freezer, okay? Then you don't have to worry about that expiration date and do it so that we all can take possession of this life-saving drug that has saved millions of lives of malaria, whatever you want to say about it in COVID, um, you know, just incredible results with COVID too. I personally think you could take quercetin and zinc and vitamin C and vitamin D if you don't get in the sun much and be just fine. Uh, in fact, I think even people who don't take that are going to mostly be fine. I don't know. I can't reiterate that enough. You know, it it is not my style. It is not my jam to constantly be pushing some pharmaceutical product and tell people that they should be terrified if they don't have a pharmaceutical product. However, you know, I think it's a good public service for those of us who are willing to give it to others who may need it, give it to others who uh, may be in need down the line. Let's get this before it becomes completely unavailable to the people that we love. So getting word out there has been a really important part of my last few weeks, but my going on Facebook and saying, remember when I predicted a few weeks ago that they were going to drive ivermectin off the market and bring in some other billion dollar patented drug? Here it is. They're even calling it Pfizermectin. They're not even being subtle about it whatsoever. And within 30 minutes of my posting that, uh, I went to Facebook jail. So it's probably a matter of time before I'm actually deplatformed which makes your joining my Telegram group, if you if you value my work and you learn something here, it makes it that much more important. I don't know what happens on uh, iTunes when, you know, apparently Google and Apple have announced that they are working on being able to censor the cloud. Okay, so that's how you get this for me is I upload this to the cloud and we edit it. But if they're going to be able to censor what goes onto the cloud, it's it's a matter of time for my podcast as well. So right now, Telegram is one of the safer places to be. So go to Telegram and it's t.me slash Robin Openshaw. That's how you find me. Every day people message me and they're like, I, I search on your name and I can't, I can't find you. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I'm not, I'm not a Telegram guru at all, but you know, once you've downloaded the Telegram app, you should be able to go to t.me slash Robin Openshaw. And my first name is spelled with a Y, R-O-B-Y-N. Open, like open the door, Shaw, S-H-A-W. Okay. So, you know, I think a lot about that book, 1984. And you remember the main character, his name was Winston. A lot of you probably had to read it in high school. I know some of you have dusted it off or bought a used copy or whatever and reread it in the last year or so. And I'm not recommending anybody read 1984. I think it's a terrible book and has a horrible ending. If you're going to read it, just read like the first two thirds and don't read the last one third. The last one third might be the most depressing, horrible, horrifying piece of literature I've ever read in my life. Um, And I don't think it serves you in any way to read it. And so, but why I bring your attention to it is that I want to talk a little bit about the fact that I believe that a lot of truth is being memory hold. If we go back to that language of Winston Smith, who's the main character of that book, 
he works for the Ministry of Truth. And if you remember in Oceania, which was the fictional, you know, country or landmass or whatever that Winston Smith lived in and had been completely taken over by some kind of fascism, uh, some kind of collectivism. And you and I are seeing it. And many of us are seeing in our own families. We're seeing people say, hey, who cares about freedom? Freedom is just such an archaic word, you silly conspiracy theorists. And it, you know, it, it, it's hard to get to not be emotional about this if you are like me and you were raised without being a core value. Well, in 1984, what Orwell is trying to do is show us how the, the entire language can be subverted. So look at how we have been conditioned. I'm telling you, I spent 30 days in Facebook jail. This would have been shocking to you two years ago, and now it's a nothing. And what you may not be aware of, um, and people who maybe have followed me closely for years are aware of this, I've mentioned a couple of times, is that two years before you ever heard the word COVID, Google was driving everybody in natural health. All the people you might think of as the natural health people, the holistic people, the crunchy people, the, the vegetarians, the vegans, the whole foodists, whatever... Whatever label that you want to put on those of us who want to, or as a career or as a hobby, have tried to teach people how we got well when we got away from the pharmaceutical way of thinking or Western medicine way of thinking or eating garbage food and wondering why we're always sick. All those of us who have a career in teaching people those kinds of things have been being driven off the search results for at least two years or something more like three years before you ever heard of COVID. To the point where I mentioned to you before that I used to blog twice a week. I had research assistants and we put out amazing content and we ranked. You know, our content was considered back when the internet was just kind of free, open, equal access information before it was monetized and heavily controlled. You could go and you can learn anything on Google. And I think people are still in that mindset of I'll go look it up on Google. But you got to watch very carefully and think to yourself, what, it, what kind of information am I looking for? Because if you're looking for information about health, you got to go back to 1984 and remember the four ministries. There was the Ministry of Truth, which was really the propaganda employees, like huge buildings full of employees who were memory holding information and changing information and changing definitions and cutting out newspapers and just throwing it down a, a hole that just sucked that news all the way down the hole. Now, we live in an age where information is more digital, so it's a little bit different than in 1984. But I just want to point out that a lot of information is being memory hold, and, and that these processes were in place long before COVID. They were well underway. All of us, because we watched our colleagues' websites and our own, and we compared because if we were doing worse than they were, then we'd wonder what we did wrong. But when we saw that it was just internet wide and, and the drug companies were buying up all these legacy sites and, you know, a site that you might think of as related to health and wellness and natural health, you know, like a site like wellness.com or health.org or I'm, I'm just making this up. I'm not talking about real websites. They were buying up all the websites or buying up all the properties and they're taking control of them. They were also um, buying up and taking control of supplement companies and supplements themselves. And my understanding is that about 80 to 90% now of supplements are owned by drug companies. And that should make your blood run cold because they can put other things in it, especially in this administration that doesn't care anymore about organic, that doesn't care anymore about non-GMO 
and Jeff Bezos doesn't care about it. And he bought Whole Foods Market and then eliminated a decade's worth of work to get transparency in genetically modified foods. Just eliminate it all. Nobody, nobody has to, to mark anything as genetically modified anymore. And so there have been a number of different, uh, you know, movers and shakers who've, who've helped created this situation. But we had at Green Smoothie Girl lost, um, 80 to 90% of our organic traffic. And what that means is that people would go on, go on Google or on one of the search engines, but primarily Google, and they would search for something like maybe it was a natural way to deal with an ear infection or, um, how, how to deal with their skin cancer that doesn't involve going to the dermatologist and having, you know, burning rays that just makes your skin cancer come back or whatever. I'm just making up topics, but we did, we had content on thousands of different topics that were really important to me that I spent decades of my life learning. I put my 10,000 hours in and I wanted to pay it forward. I wanted to give it back. I have tried to make my life's work available to other people. And when I started Green Smoothie Girl uh, 15, 16 years ago, you know, I was out there gardening and I was showing videos of my composting. I had three compost boxes and I was showing what I was gardening. I had 10 square foot gardens that were all 10 feet by 10 feet. I mean, that's a lot of gardening. I was basically on a small farm and this was the kind of content I was doing. I was just sharing content and then it just kind of went viral. And then people were like, okay, so you used to be obese and you used to have 21 different health problems and diseases and you were taking all these different pharmaceutical medications. And then you learned that you had this mind shift and you did it differently. Well, what did you do? And so I thought, well, how can I make this simple for people? So the first thing I did on Green Smoothie Girl, the first commercial thing I did is that I, and I don't, I don't have a, a copy of it here, you know, some of my books, but I started codifying into steps, like the 12 most powerful things that I did. And I call it 12 steps to whole foods. In fact, I'll put a little free video masterclass in the notes, in the show notes, and you can take a look at it. So I think it's six short videos, but it's really about how did I make this shift? Like I live in this world where it's junk food all the time. It's fast food all the time. Even school lunch is a terrible, terrible, you know, nutritional profile. And it's dietitians and nutritionists who put these things together. Um, you go to work and there's only garbage food available to you. Like, how did I make that shift? Well, I was having small children and they went to, you know, public schools. They didn't live in, they didn't sniff rarefied air somewhere. They, we were out there in the real world like everyone else. So I was putting that out there. I didn't even know how to make a PDF, you guys. When I was developing 12 Steps to Whole Foods, it was a full-time job for me for a full year. I was refining my recipes. I didn't want to give any of my recipes to people unless I tested them twice. Like I was just so, so precise about wanting to tell you exactly how to do it. So it was just so much easier for you because it all happened for me when I had a sick child and there's nothing that you won't do for your child. Right. And so I went to the mat and I changed everything about our lifestyle. And I did two major things. The first one I did is I start is twice a year detoxing, totally changed our life. Okay. That's another, I'll put a free video masterclass down below too. That's another thing in this ministry of truth that we're in, where the ministry of truth is called truth, but it's not, it's exact opposite of that. We're subverting the meanings of things. What the ministry of truth was in 1984 was actually just a propaganda machine. Okay. Where they were memory holding all the, these truths that were being lost. 
And so I'm really concerned right now that uh, the brain trust is being lost. You know, like last night, right before I went to bed, I was just looking at my phone of this doctor in California being escorted out of the building. And, you know, it was his boss that he'd had for years. It was ushering him out of the building. You know, I was just doing my job, right? And I couldn't help but cry. And I've watched a bunch of these. I've watched people film their last day on the job as they're being fired for not being willing to inject themselves with an experimental cocktail of whatever it is. We still don't know. Okay. What is it? It's almost the end of 2021 now and we still don't know what all's in it. They won't tell us. And yet we're supposed to trust them. We're just supposed to do it or lose our jobs, lose our ability to feed our family. And that's what this doctor was saying. You know, he's got somebody yelling at him because his his mask slipped down and he was just like, what are you going to do to me? What are you going to do to me? You know, like I'm already fired. I'm being shown the door. Um, and he's got, he, he's on, on Facebook live talking to people about, I'm being thrown out of here after giving, you know, risking my life through what we were told was a deadly virus. And I treated COVID patients day in and day out and did long shifts. I've seen other, I saw a nurse, same thing in tears, super emotional, just completely overcome with emotion as she, she actually had chosen to get the injection because she's like, I'm a single mom of three and I have to. And she talked about how at the beginning, she didn't know. She didn't know what COVID was. And she said she slept in a tent because she wasn't sure if she should go to work and then see her children. But there's a kind of sacrifices these people make. And then we're showing them the door, kicking them to the curb because they won't give up their medical freedom. Well, the ministry of truth was actually propaganda. The ministry of love was in fact the war machine. Uh, the ministry of plenty denied people resources. Um, what was the fourth one? The ministry of, you guys are probably yelling at your phones because you remember what the fourth one was. I wrote it down here. The, the ministry of love. Yeah, how could I forget that one? The ministry of love was actually torturing political dissidents. Okay. And we're starting to see that. It looks to me like the next wave for people like me who have a public, um, you know, public figures or people who have a public platform. The next wave will be to deny us banking and to cut us off from access to our own money. And so, you know, the thing that's really sad is that our friends and our family who my own mother-in-law has told my husband that she would be completely happy with us being stripped of our medical rights and all of this being forced on everyone. Well, she grew up in Berlin. She grew up in Berlin before the, the Berlin Wall fell. Like, how is this okay? Like, how do people know so little about history that we're willing for over our, over our hypochondria over a flu? We're completely willing to submit to collectivism. See, here's the problem is that they've tricked, especially the millennials, because they don't, they don't, they don't have any experience with collectivism. They don't know what collectivism, socialism, communism are the forms that they take or the words that we've used in the past for collectivism. Of course, now they have to rebrand it. They have to call it other things. They have to call it things like the Green New Deal. They have to make it sound really great. But collectivism has been a fail in over 60 countries. And right now, a lot of South America is falling into communism. Okay, you're not being told that in your media. You're not being told that just like you're not being told that the entire continent of Australia is in a police state. 
and that you, you, you have teenagers being beaten by guys in combat boots and full riot gear. Now, you might say, oh, Robin, you just saw a video. Mm, I've seen hundreds of videos and probably over a hundred firsthand accounts of what's going on in Australia. And yes, you probably know people in Australia who are just as asleep and who have been just as hypnotized by the, the ministry of truth. You know, that this is not their first rodeo. The people running this show, you know, like half of America may be completely unaware of history and of what an epic fail collectivism is at at improving the lot of human beings ever. But the people running this show, they're aware of it. They're aware of it. And they know that they have to subvert the language. They have to subvert concepts. They have to subvert our values and our morals. So they have to eliminate things in history that if we learned about it, it would make us ask questions. So a lot of history gets memory hold. And a lot of the point that I want to make today is that you personally are part of the brain trust. I, I wish it weren't so. I wish that lots of my audience were in their 20s and 30s. But most of my audience is like women my age. Okay. I, I'm, I'll be 55 in a few months and my audience has aged with me. When I started Green Smoothie Girl, you know, over 15 years ago, my audience was young moms. Now it tends to be women like me, right? We all kind of gravitate to other people like us who have similar interests that we do, but we have knowledge that is being lost. If we are not careful, if you look at the purge of the internet, if you take a look at the fact that my life's work, that I built 16 full-time years, and when I say full-time, I'm not, I don't punch a clock and I don't work 40 hours a week. I gave it every waking hour that I wasn't being a mom or sleeping. That's what I gave to Green Smoothie Girl and to building content that would be life-changing for you. Like, like here's what to do if you're going in for oral surgery, how you can stay off of the steroids, the antibiotics, and the narcotics. You know, like I spent 20 or 30 hours of my life on that piece of content and you won't ever see it. You won't ever see it because Google won't show it to you. Do you get it now? So they have to they have to actually change what the meanings of words are. And we are seeing the official, complete rewriting of what gain of function means. Okay. Well, is Tony Fauci guilty of gain of function? If we just change what gain of function means, they're changing the actual definition of what a vaccine is. Okay. It used to be. I don't know the exact words, but it used to be an injection that prevents a disease. Now they're changing it so that it's just treats a disease. They don't even have to, they don't even have to, uh, make a product that prevents the disease. See, this is what people don't realize is that Pfizer never even claimed that the COVID shot was going to prevent the disease or that it was going to prevent transmission. And so now the the rare person who got the jab and is realizing they didn't prevent themselves from getting COVID, vast majority of people now getting COVID worldwide are what we call fully vaccinated. Hey, there's another one. They're changing the definition of what it means to be fully vaccinated. Okay, if you have an adverse event two days after your second injection, you weren't fully vaccinated. Okay, if you die and you are 10 days past your second injection, they're going to call you 
unvaccinated because you don't count as a fully vaccinated person until they say you do. And right now, that's 14 days after your second injection. But that's going to change too. And see, that's what they're conditioning us to, is that everything is arbitrary, everything is dictated by Big Brother. This is why this really reminds me of 1984. Because I want to point out all the ways that they're subverting our values they're subverting the very words we use. They have to create confusion. They have to completely demoralize us, okay, in order for communism to succeed. And it, you know, it might be a collectivist communist thing. I think that this thing they're trying to do to us is some hybrid. So, you know, I don't want to get off on different de- definitional arguments, but, you know, you could call it fascism or totalitarianism over here. That's what like Hitler was. You could call it communism, collectivism, socialism over here. That's what Stalin was. Stalin, uh, Marx, Trotsky. Okay. Mao in his later years became very enamored of, uh, the work of Karl Marx and became very, uh, very, uh, collectivist in the way that he talked and the way he ran that country. Either way, they're both terrible. You and I, if you're over the age of 50 and you had an education before the education system became so subverted, you and I might think that freedom is a wonderful thing. Well, here's the thing is that these uh, people who are acting like you're ridiculous uh, it's, it's just an injection. Just roll up your sleeve. Stop being so selfish. Who cares about your freedom? Uh, these people don't realize that we achieve our objectives collectively best by putting personal freedoms first. And that's what history proves to us is that it's not that uh, by putting individuals first. And if you're going to go back and read the books that you missed, be sure to go read Ayn Rand. Her first name is spelled A-Y-N. Ayn Rand, her book, Atlas Shrugged, is the most read book, second only to the Bible. And she's worth a, a good read too, because she escaped from, from Russia, came to the United States, and she's as hardcore individualist, pro-freedom as they get. And like George Orwell, she saw what was coming. She was concerned that this collectivist mentality of, well, I will give up my individual liberties because then I feel like I'm doing something good for the collective. The problem with that is that it doesn't work like that. The problem with that is that it's a lie. The most successful countries in the history of mankind have been the ones that put individual liberties first. And so we are not being heard by the younger generation. When we talk about freedom, when we talk about liberty, they love to call us names. These words aren't really working when we're talking to younger generations. So I just want to point that out because of the subversion that's going on of our values and even just the very words themselves. Uh, freedom is being rewritten. And I believe that our children, our grandchildren will learn that what freedom is, is the uh, ability to follow laws. I have seen some rewriting of the actual definition of freedom. So those are some of the words that I had written down to make sure to bring up to you is that uh, the word immunity is being rewritten. 
Okay, remember at the beginning of COVID, there was a lot of talk about herd immunity. Notice nobody's talking about it anymore. Well, what we are doing is, not we, you and me, but the power structure is rewriting what immunity is. It's rewriting what herd immunity is. It's rewriting what freedom means. It's rewriting what gain of function means. It's rewriting what the word vaccine means. So I guess um, what, one thing I want to point out is that a major tenet of Marxism is to demoralize the country, to divide the country. You've seen that. I won't go sideways on that because you've seen it. You've seen your own family be divided. You've seen groups of people that you're in. Every group is divided against each other in multiple ways. I think the race thing didn't work that great for them. So I'm kind of happy about that. Remember how the, the George Floyd thing, like they pushed that on us hard and there were BLM marches or whatever. But as soon as, you know, George Soros, you know, got tired of pushing and BLM kind of went away and did their thing and Antifa got busted and a bunch of guys got thrown in jail and they couldn't hire people to, to be Antifa anymore. Did you notice that the race thing, it just didn't really take it doesn't really work very well in America. We've been a melting pot for too long. Um, the, the typical race division and pitting one race against each other that has been so effective in many, many countries to take people into collectivism has been kind of a fail here. At least that's my, that's my, uh, perception. Remember when they were trying to create all these stories about Asian hate? which I think is completely ridiculous because Asians have been phenomenally successful in North America. They've been the most successful minority ever to land on American shores. Uh, I mean, like, I just don't, I don't even hear people say anything racist about Asians. I'm not saying there's not a racist person. I'm not saying that this country is completely purged of racism. I don't think it ever will be. But institutionally, and just in terms of how we all interact with each other and how, you know, those of us my age, like if you're 50 plus, like you were raised in a desegregated climate. You were raised where it's not socially acceptable to be racist. And so I just want to point that out that they tried it and it didn't work. But you know what is working is this vaccinated versus unvaccinated thing. It is working. And so they are pouring gasoline on it. They are pouring gasoline on this whole vaccinated versus unvaccinated thing like crazy because it's new. It's new. It definitely feels a lot like, you know, back in, you know, post-World War I Germany when certain classes of people or certain cultures of people were called dirty and unclean, but they just use slightly different words. Same concept, slightly different words. So they have to achieve the demoralization of America. And I went on um, Stop World Control. I think that that uh, website is just unabashedly exposing the conspiracy for what it is. Uh, I'm, I make no apologies by telling you to go to Stop World Control and check this out. But if you guys saw that series, it was, I believe, nine videos. I saw it just in the beginning of this whole COVID thing when I was going, what on earth is going on? I want to know on a high level, who's doing this to us? There, there's clearly an agenda here and I want to know more about it. Fall of the cabal was uh, really important for me and it opened my eyes to a lot of things. Do I believe that it's the gospel truth? I don't. In fact, I really didn't even watch the last one because it was all about Q and the white hats and how, you know, there's this, these group of people, the good part of the military and Trump and whatever, and they're going to, you know, 
swoop in on their white horse and rescue us. I don't believe that. I didn't believe it then. And I believe it even less now. I think the whole QAnon thing is, is a, is a psyop or a psychological operation. I'm sorry if you have really given your heart to the Q or the QAnon movement. I love you anyway. Um, please, uh, please consider uh, becoming aware that when they can take a significant number of us and keep them patiently and quietly waiting, then we aren't taking the actions that we should. That's all I have to say about that. But they have to, I, I watched the new series, which is Follow the, the Cabal, the sequel. And I think it's like, actually, I don't, I don't think I've even finished it, but I want to say it's like 14 or 18 videos. They're all about 30 minutes. They get really obsessed with Bill Gates. There's probably four or five of them that are just about Bill Gates. And those are really interesting. They talk about what monsters, um, uh, World Health Organization and the United Nations are. So you'll kind of get quickly disabused of your opinion if you have thought of the United Nations as the world's peacekeeper. Um, so there was, there was a lot in it, but one thing that it said and it hit me like a ton of bricks and it woke me up about my own personal need to guard, to guard my own mind and heart and soul, which is very difficult to do because we are in some very difficult times. And I have just stared down the black hole, uh, insisting on figuring out what's really going on here and sharing information about what's going on here, which makes it very difficult to be a mother. I'll tell you that. And it's really difficult to be an influencer too, because who wants to be the watchman on the tower all the time? Who wants to stand up there and give people bad news all the time? I don't. It's not fun for me. I don't like it. But one thing that one of the episodes of Follow the Cabal, the sequel, said is that they have to accomplish the demoralization of America. And the primary way they do it, the thing they must rob us of is our self-initiative. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I am a self-initiating person like almost nobody you know. Like I just go out there and I get stuff done and I take on huge ambitious projects and I see walls as an opportunity. How can I take it down? Do I need a wrecking ball? Do I need to enlist 12 guys to take it down with me? I am self, self initiating if I am anything. And I listened to that and I realized how much success they have had in demoralizing me and robbing me of my self-initiative. So I recommitted when I heard that about a week or two weeks ago. And I was like, I am going to be me and I'm going to bring all my gifts and everything that God gave me to this party to the end. And so I always love it when you guys tell me that a piece of content, you may think, oh, she's busy and she doesn't have time to read all her DMs. And I I do say that. I do say that out there because I don't want people to be mad at me if they send me messages in Facebook and I'm not able to write everyone back. I mean, I probably can write about five to 10% back. And sometimes I go weeks and it just piles up on me, but it really does mean something to me when you tell me that what my content means to you. And it's really especially great when it's specific because the problem with a, a podcast is I'm talking to you, but you're not talking back to me. That's the only thing I don't like about doing the podcast is that instead of it being a conversation where, you know, there's a back and forth, like, like there is a, even like a Facebook live. 
I don't know what's resonating with you. I did notice that when I started doing uh, Robin's reviews of all things V, that our downloads went crazy high. So it looks to me like this is resonating just from downloads, but that's all I've really got. If you guys ever feel to tell me this um, this content really helped me or this was really important and I gave it to my sister because she was struggling with something, that is actually really meaningful to me. And I love it when you guys send me content too. So I just want to put that out there that I really do care. And I really am just a person who reads my my uh, Facebook messages the best I can. And so when you guys can tell me what kind of content is working for you or what kind of content you want more of, um, I really do appreciate that when you do that. So I am seeing our values get subverted. I, I see them turning information upside down. I see them turning truth upside down. I see them turning freedom upside down. I see them turning love upside down. That, that we've lost track of what love is and what it is to let, let a person be. My, um, theory was as a student of human psychology, uh, is that the marriages that work, the marriages that are happy, happiest are the ones where people let the other be who they are in all their quirkiness or whatever that looks like. And I observed happy couples and that was the one thing that the happiest ones seemed to all have in common. Is not that they were like better people. It wasn't that they were smarter or more educated or anything, except that they just let each other be their quirky selves. And I am seeing us not being willing to let each other just be uh, different. We actually started yesterday. It was just very organic, but in Telegram, we started a support group for people who are against the COVID vaccine, but whose spouse got the jab. So I had just heard it from so many people, so many people. In fact, someone who used to work for Green Smoothie Girl, um, but we have stayed friends for, sheesh, the whole 15 years since the beginning of Green Smoothie Girl. Um, Her husband's a dentist and she was shocked, betrayed, emotional, devastated, she said she didn't know, she didn't, she, she thought she would die. That's how upset she was when her husband, just on a whim at Costco, got the COVID vaccine and later went back and got another one. And so I said to her, I showed her what someone in the group had posted. And this person in my group, which again is t.me slash Robin Openshaw, you should go there in Telegram because that's where we can just tell the truth. And lately I've had people telling me they really like it when I just do like a little five minute um, audio, kind of like this podcast, but, but short, but something I think that's important is on my mind. But I had showed her that there was a woman in there. We'll, we'll call her Misty, um, had said, I have four kids, they're ages one to nine. And both my husband and I are in healthcare. Okay, one of them's a nurse and the other one's a nurse practitioner. And she said, I was all about the masks and then I woke up and now I will do anything to keep my children from getting this jab and I will not get it and they are going to fire me. Early February, I lose my job that I've worked so hard for all these years, but my husband is going to get the jab and we are very much at odds about this. And I wanted to talk about this a little bit. So I, I took a screenshot of it and I showed this to my friend 
whose dentist husband had gotten the jab. And she had said to me, I, I didn't, I didn't think I could live through this. I was so upset. And so I, she said, well, give her my number and I'll, you know, I'll be a support to her. And I'm like, why don't we just start a support group? So it's new. It's on Telegram. I can't remember exactly what it's called. So just go, go in my Telegram group and I'm sure you'll see references to it. I'm sure once a week we'll be pointing people to it because just since we started it yesterday, there's like 74 people in there last I looked and it's a, it's a huge issue, right? I mean, marriage was hard before marriage was hard before COVID and when you're, or when your marriage maybe has a lot of good things in it and your parents are the same children, then it's important to constantly be renewing your commitment to each other and remembering the good things about each other. Because I can tell you as a divorced person that divorce is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Uh, what is it Dr. Phil says? Cheaper to keeper, or maybe it's Dr. Laura. They're not kidding. And not just talking about cheaper when it comes to money. I'm talking about the amount of energy and loss and years of working through the pain and what you put your children through, if you can work your marriage out, may I highly recommend you do, right? I'm not one to tell people not to get a divorce, but I sure wouldn't want to be getting one in 2021. I sure wouldn't want to be getting a divorce in 2021. I know a few people who have And I just can't imagine all the stress of what is going on in our world and then adding to it the chaos of divorce. I don't think if I would have known what I was going to be putting my children through that I would have had the courage to end my marriage. And that ending my marriage needed to happen. It really needed to happen. And I don't actually regret it, but oh my gosh the difficulty in going through it. So this woman who I'm calling Misty, who said she had several children ages one to nine, there's one thing about her situation that I feel almost jealous of. I'm not really into jealousy, but, and that is the ages of her children. Okay. When your children hit the age of about 11 is what we call in psychology, the latency phase. When you study child development and you look at what is normal behavior for children, starting at about age 11, Children start to look away from their parents as their primary, um, you know, behavioral indicator, their primary inspiration, their primary source of information. They start to turn away from you as the parent as the main source of information and, uh, and modeling figures for what do you dress like? What do you talk like? What do you think like? What should your values be? They turn away from you as the parent around age 11 and they begin to, I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know because even if you haven't raised a tween yet, but I'm calling them latency phase pre-adolescence, you were one. So you're familiar with this phenomenon. They begin to look to their peers. They begin to look to other kids their age. And this is a difficult time for parents because they're used to their child just hanging on their every word and wanting to spend time with them and mom or dad, when are you going to take me to here and there? And their favorite thing in the world is spend time with mom and dad and many, many children in latency phase, which isn't like on the 11th birthday, but it's on average around age 11, aren't as interested in spending time with mom and dad. And guess what? It doesn't end at age 12 or 14 
or 16 or 18. It's a very, very long time. And all that love and all those amazing, sweet, pure experiences that we had with our child for the first 11 years are what get us through the next 11 years. And so the one thing that I am glad for the woman that I will call Misty is that she has the full attention of her children right now. And so I want to tell you that I wish that I had had conversations with my children that I didn't have. I wish that I had talked to my children about vaccines. I wish that I had told them that my oldest son nearly died many times. They weren't there for it. They didn't have the experience. They didn't stay up all night. They didn't rush in the middle of the night to a hospital and and put their one-year-old in an emergency room and in an oxygen tent. They didn't not sleep for years because they're afraid to fall asleep because they thought their child would stop breathing and died while they were asleep. They didn't have that experience. Only I did. And I didn't talk to my children because I didn't see this coming. And so I just want to say to all those of you with young children that of course have something to say too, to all those of you who have older children like me, you know, I want you to have some hope and I want you to realize that if you have children who are age one to nine, have the conversations. I'm not saying, you know, to scare your children. It's tough to talk to your kids. You know, one of the things that I would be saying if I had a five-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old is that if they get out a syringe or a needle or they bribe you, if somebody's bribing you and somebody's offering you something because everybody else is doing it, I want you on high alert for that because remember that children are taught to follow rules. They follow rules all day, every day. They've been following your rules. They've been following the school's rules. Their teacher has a ridiculous number of rules and they are socialized to follow many, many rules, including rules they don't understand. And so it should come as no surprise that your child, if told in school, hey, we're going to go down to the gym and everybody's just going to roll up their sleeve and you know what? You're going to get a big giant cookie after that. And if you do it, you don't have to do your math homework today. I mean, like that's all it would take for most kids. It would be very, very easy. And so I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying have the conversation. Make sure that your child knows that why mom thinks that the COVID vaccine is a very bad idea and that the COVID vaccine is much, much riskier. Okay, take away their fear about COVID. Okay, don't let them be afraid. Tell them it's ridiculous and wrong that they've been made to feel guilty that they're going to kill their grandma if they don't do X, Y, and Z ridiculous behavior over a flu. I mean, it's now very clear that the death rate from COVID, even with all the ways that they've inflated them, even with calling everything COVID, when you strip it down, this really doesn't have a significantly higher death rate than the flu, even with the fact that they are now forcing mutations by mass vaccinating everybody in the middle of a pandemic, which has never been done before. Okay, there's all kinds of negative consequences of this. And people like Dr. Geert Vandenbosch have predicted it and have told us that this would happen before it actually happened. And even so, they're just having to milk this thing and having to push it. And numbers will go way down and they have to come up with new ways to force it. But remember that there are other forces, the media, your child's teachers, 
your child's friends and their parents maybe having an influence and they don't always talk to you about it. It's one of the most frustrating things about having young adult children is that they tell you about their feelings that they had when they were a kid that you didn't know about. You think because you're there and you're paying attention that you know what's going on in your child. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes your child is doing things or having a lot of anxiety or fear about something that you don't know about and you find out about it years later. And I don't say that because I want to scare you. I just want to say, have the conversations. If you have a five-year-old, if you have a nine-year-old, you have their full attention. They, they, they're just like, imagine a, a sieve at the top of their head. Whatever you put in there, it's going in there and it matters. And don't have one conversation about it. My older daughter, Emma, was here um, this last weekend. She was at a business conference here on the East Coast. And so we just at the last minute, you know, she flew down to Florida and we had a wonderful few days together. She told me that here I thought I did a great job of teaching my kids about sex. And she was like, no, you had this big, long, two-hour, super serious conversation with me where I felt like I was in trouble because you and dad were so serious about it. And then you were like, okay, I'm good. I'm done. Talked about, did the sex talk. And she's not wrong. I actually did talk more about it than that. She's not remembering some of the conversations. Um, But she is right that I kind of thought that I had done the job when really a, a number of conversations should have happened and didn't. You know, you kind of can't just dump what is sex and where do babies come from on a seven-year-old and expect that they're going to understand it all, remember it all, not twist it all up and get it get some strange things wrong. So we were talking, we were talking about that. She and I have talked about that a number of times. Another thing I said to her, and I was glad I could at least have the conversation with her sitting out on the beach. And I said, Emma, when you were a little girl, do you remember that I used to take a nap for three hours every day? Do you remember that I would load you guys up with books from the library and I would make sure you're safe and put you in a room and I would sleep for two or three hours every afternoon? She said, yeah, I do remember that. And I said, when's the last time you saw me take a nap? She said, I, I can't even remember, like many, 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 many years. And I said, right. Do you know what made me sick? What made me sick is getting the flu vaccine, which I was required to do in graduate school. And that's why I feel so upset about it. And this is why I'm so worried about you guys getting it just because somebody pressured you. Is it someone pressured me? They didn't even pressure me that much. I should have just changed internships. I should have changed internships. And if I could go back in time, I would, because I was sick for years from that flu vaccine. And most of the people who are sick for years from a flu vaccine or from the Gardasil vaccine or from the Hep B vaccine or whatever, they never even connect the dots. They never even know that that's what did it because it's not usually some big anaphylaxis five minutes after their injection. It's usually a progression of symptoms and people just write it off as just this crazy thing that happened to me. It's just my heredity or whatever. But I was really glad to have that conversation with Emma. But lest you think I'm bragging that I got to have that conversation with her and tell her, Emma, I was sick for years. I missed out on a lot of your childhood. I didn't complain. I didn't talk to you about the vaccine. And I would have talked to you guys more about how Cade, her older brother, was severely vaccine injured. I would have talked to you guys about that, except that I just never imagined this, this situation that we're in. I never imagined it. Well, in case you think I'm bragging, I will also say that today, 
today or yesterday, I sent some piece of content to some of my children. And it was about the vaccine. And I said something to them like, people send me stories like this all day, every day. Seven days a week, people send me stories about their reaction to the vaccine or being in proximity to someone who got the vaccine and is shedding seven days a week this entire year, 2021. So I I just sent them some piece of content. I sent it and I knew as I was sending it that I was breaking my own rules. You know, when Tennyson was, Tennyson was a challenging kid to raise and he was my youngest. Luckily I was more patient by them and had more tools in my toolbox. But I noticed that if he walked in the door at the end of the day or at the end of the school day or whatever, and I lit into him about the fact that he didn't do the dishes last night. And I've been having to look at this dirty kitchen all day and I'm bugged because I do my part. Why don't you do yours? It just didn't go well. That didn't go well. And so I made a rule for myself. Don't say a word about the thing that he didn't do last night, which was, you know, the rule. It wasn't an exception to the rule. It was like almost hundred percent of the time. Don't say anything about it until I've put in five minutes of sitting down showing interest, asking questions about what's going on at school, asking if I'm him if I can get him a snack, if he's hungry or whatever. It doesn't have to be all those things, right? He doesn't need to be treated like little Lord Fauntleroy. But give it five minutes of neutrals and positives before bringing that up. And I found that when I did that for five minutes, that when I said, Tennyson, why are the dishes not done? Then he would be like, oh, I'm sorry, mom, I'll do them right now. Like massive, massive difference in how I was received. So I had broken my own rules because I'm applying that to, I'm so desperate for my children to not get this vaccine. I'm so convinced that it is not in their interest to get this, whatever this injection is, that I sent it even though I've done too much of that lately. And I need to have five conversations that aren't about the vaccine for every one time that I sent it. And I knew, I knew I had the thought, don't send this to Tennyson. You haven't, you haven't done enough other conversation to have earned the right (laughs) to ask him to look at some really negative or terrifying or whatever information about the vaccine. And several hours later, I got a text back to uh, me and the other kids that were on the, on the uh, text thread that said, Hey mom, I think I'm going to get the vaccine just so you stop talking to me about not getting the vaccine. (laughs) So anyways, I don't take that as anything more than it is. It's a 21 year old being snarky. I'm not, you know, in a big meltdown in tears, but, and I just said something like, yeah, I'm worried about that too. Um, you know, I don't, I don't need to overreact. However, it's a good reminder, right? It's a good reminder that if you do have adult children, so if you have one to nine-year-olds, please have these conversations and and deprogram your kids about the fear that they might have been programmed with from other people about COVID. Take their fear away about COVID. You know, show them, don't just tell them, but show them with your own behavior, right? You don't need to wear a mask and be terrified and, and You know, you're teaching them critical thinking skills. You can teach them. You can have the conversation about, do we have to believe everything on the TV? Is everything that's on the TV true? I didn't have those conversations with my kids either. You know why? It's because I didn't watch TV. To me, TV was ridiculous. I was raised without TV and I, I just have never watched it. And so to me, on the rare occasion I see the TV, it literally 
looks like they're talking to fourth graders. And I just tune out. I don't, I don't want to watch it because it's ridiculous to me. But I didn't have those conversations with my kids. So let me just share with you that I hope that if you have children who are younger than latency phase, that you think, well, what conversation could I have with them now? Like, don't get a, a car ride go go by or a sit down, go out to dinner, go by without, sure, have lots of fun, lots of conversations that aren't about these things. But just don't miss those important conversations because it really does fly by. The time does fly by. And there are so many conversations that I wish that I had had with my children. So, and with adult children, just make sure that you've put in the time having lots of conversations about things they want to talk about and how they're doing and what's going on in their lives and don't um, overdo it with the vaccine content, which obviously I just did. So those are the things that I wanted to share with you today. Um, It'll be very interesting to see what happens as a result of the fact that the NIH has admitted that Tony Fauci has been funding gain-of-function research, and that makes him a liar. And he lied under oath to Congress. My uh, guess is that nothing happens from it. I think that Tony Fauci is more powerful than any American president. And that's a whole other subject, why that's the case. So we'll save that for another time. But thank you for hearing me out on, uh, if I, if I did some things wrong with my own parenting, uh, it makes me feel better if there's any chance that my thoughts on this may have been of value to you. So check out down below if you're interested in raising your children on a whole foods, mostly plant-based diet. It made all the difference for us. I'm going to put that link down below. I wish that we could be talking about our detox on Facebook. We would literally get deplatformed if we started talking about detoxing related to the jab. In fact, even detoxing itself is getting people thrown in jail and deplatformed. So Right now, when people need the 26-day detox that I spent years and years of my life studying, researching what all the greats in human detoxification knew and how to bring it together for the modern person to do it and get a total detox done in 26 days that involves the liver, the kidneys, the gastrointestinal tract, the blood, uh, if there was ever a time when people need this information, it is now. And here I am bound and gagged. I feel like I have duct tape over my mouth. I feel like the only people I can talk to are preaching to the choir. So if that interests you, um, just today, before I got started doing this episode, we got a heartbreaking message um, from someone named Lori saying, our daughter got the jab and she's, we love her so much and she's suffering. She's extremely ill. She's having all kinds of neurological issues. What can we do for her? Do the 26 day detox. There's no way around it. There's no supplement you can buy that, that gets you out of doing the whole entire protocol. It's not just a diet. There are actual protocols that you do throughout the, the entire 26 day process to increase that throughput. Okay. You have a bunch of different organs of elimination and they're all interconnected. And I was completely fascinated by this for many years. And why? because I got a pharmaceutical injection that made me super sick. And those toxins, which were recirculating and trapped in my tissues and organs, rather than being eliminated, were making me absolutely miserable. 
And so that is how I came to read stacks and stacks of books on uh, the clinical knowledge and research knowledge of the best of the best in human detoxification. And that is the kind of information that I am worried we are losing. That's the brain trust that I'm worried we're losing. I'm worried that as all these people are getting fired from every industry in America, not only are people who are senior level in their career and they're right at the point where they're still healthy, they're still young enough, but they've got more experience and more knowledge than anybody else in their career. It's the ones who can afford to retire and it's the smartest ones who have good critical thinking skills and they're probably also better than everybody else at the job that they do. They're bowing out. They're retiring. The brain trust is retiring. But I'm also really concerned that the great information out there about human detoxification is going to be lost. I am having a hard time keeping it alive because I have so much duct tape binding my mouth and my hands and my feet. And you know what? I had to go find all that information because since all that information that I studied, I studied it when I got sick, but I knew that it existed because my grandmother is a great hero who got cancer and said no to chemo and radiation and went and did the Gerson protocol. And she studied Ann Wigmore and she studied Bernard Jensen and she studied Richard Anderson and she studied, you know, Jack Tips and Doc Wheelwright and she did their protocols. Why? Because if she didn't, she was going to die. She was highly motivated. And so I later motivated because of a very sick child and made myself very sick, both of us by getting a vaccine, had to do some similar things, had to do some detoxification and change our diet so that it was, you know, 90% plus whole foods plant-based. It's not that I don't do anything wrong. Once I healed myself, I don't eat a perfect diet now, but I always eat 60 to 80% raw plant-based. Always. I always do my green smoothies and or green juices. There are just some things that I always do, but that doesn't mean that my diet is perfect. But this is the kind of information I'm afraid that we'll lose because I watch my colleagues and for years now I've gone to conferences with all kinds of other practitioners, other people with PhDs, people with MDs, and I am shocked and horrified at how little they know. And most of them now have a detox that they do, literally most of them. Most of these doctors who didn't want to practice medicine anymore or naturopathic doctors or chiropractors who get online because they want an easier way of making money than seeing patients or a more scalable way to run their careers than just seeing patients one at a time, they go out there and they do a detox. I was reviewing one the other day. The ingredients in the recipes were bacon and skim milk. I'm sorry, you guys, but those don't belong in a detox program. First of all, no animal products belong in a detox program. Okay, if you're going to be dilating the ducts in your liver and gallbladder, if you are going to be flushing your body, if you're going to be increasing throughput, if you're going to be oxygenating and alkalizing the body, you're not eating animal products. I'm not saying that you can never eat animal products in your life. Okay, I realize that most people, even healthy people, do eat some animal products. But if you are doing a dedicated detox, there's no place for bacon or skim milk or homemade soda that I read in this detox program. And and I swear every time somebody gives me a detox, I'm like, are you kidding me? On what planet is this an actual detox? So this is one of the things that I am worried is disappearing. So I think we have to do our part and maybe go back to this oral tradition You know, before there was writing, before there was a printing press, 
people took it very seriously to convey to their children information because it was that oral tradition. Think about the Native Americans, right? Uh, and they passed stories and they passed practices and they passed health protocols on to their children. And I think we've stopped doing that because we trust Google to do it and we can't trust Google to do it. Google is not our friend. If we love health and wellness and these truths have changed your life, don't just assume that it's going to be passed along to your children and grandchildren. Don't trust that the internet in 10 years from now is going to be what the internet was 10 years ago. There is a major, major purge of all this information that may have blessed your life like it has mine. And so I'm going to just get big stacks of my 12 Steps to Whole Foods course. Because if it goes out of print, or if this whole thing passes where Biden wants, you know, to find businesses $700,000 if they employ an unvaccinated person, that'll put me out of business. So I'm going to just stockpile my body of knowledge and do what I can for the rest of my days to get word out about the things that saved my life, about the things that saved my son's life, about the things that I learned by being an inexperienced mother on his back that then changed the lives of the next children that I had. And I will just spend the rest of my life sharing that information with others, whether it helps my children or not, that's up to them. Okay. They, um, kids in their twenties tend to think that they know everything. And so I don't hold it against my son. He's acting developmentally normal. Just keep that in your mind. And if your teenage or young adult child says things like Tennyson did, which is mom, I'm going to get the vaccine just to get you to stop telling me to not get the vaccine. Like just say to yourself, developmentally normal. I say that to myself all the time and it really helps me. And then I just have a little laugh because it is entirely developmentally normal. Anyway, I hope that something I have said has been useful to you. And if you hear one of my podcast episodes, remember I'm working in a vacuum over here. So message me however you might do that. Um, and let me know if anything that I'm doing is something that you want to know more about. I really would like to hear from you about what kind of content you would like in the future. But till then, I will see you next time. Bye now. Bye.